Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's the difference between toilet paper and wallpaper? Lawrence, do you know? I don't know. That's disgusting. <laughs> hey, you're going to sort yourself out. That is awful. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> Listeners. An absolutely huge revelation on the pod. <laughs> Lance Barreto, you filthy man. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a joke where I had to leave a pause. No, no, no. No, I see we've, we've evolved. <laughs> That was that was very good. Uh, it was so Again, good. it passed it passed the Meadows test. Meadows Meadows found it funny, so that's always a good sign. So you might be benefiting from the fact that I'm a little bit tired from flying today. But Nate, I'm gonna give you a ten. Yes. yes. <laughs> Let's go. I oh, mean amazing. I thought the moment the moment I saw the response, I was like, This is a ten. This is an absolute ten. Oh, so good. I can see your beaming smile, you're delighted as well. I am. What a show this is gonna be. Welcome to the Padhock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula 1 around the world. I'm Lawrence Bresso, F1 correspondent and presenter. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. And Nate's won today, so thanks for everyone yeah. listening. I might, <laughs> I might just sit out now, just let you guys <laughs> chat. Well, this is a out. unique pod uh, set up right now, because we've got Nate in the ESPN Towers... Mm-hmm. Are we have to say roughly where that is, or do you not want people, your fans, we, congregating? No, 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 it's fine. It's in Hammersmith, and it's the it's the, the building shaped like a giant Mickey Mouse. <laughs> 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 one of those facts is not true. I'll let you work out which one. It's not in Hammersmith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it looks like a, a very office-like background, actually. You've got just a grey wall, which is thrilling. That's basically, I'm in a soundproof pod, and Ooh. it's grey with see-through doors either side of me so people can walk past and they're like what's that what's that attractive young man doing but then they walk <laughs> to my one they're like what's this old man doing <laughs> and um but no it's quite nice actually it's fun it's like a it's like a little zoom pod oh, it looks, my, looks my cool. name for them. no i like that yeah they're, they're cool i want one of those um we've got uh, myself in london still i fly to baku tonight as we record this which is why I'm going to start talking really quickly the longer the show goes on. And I'm just <laughs> hurrying everyone up because I have to um, relocate the dog for a couple of days and then get to the airport before flying, which 
as these two know, I love to leave some late pressure and drama. So we'll see how that goes. But Lawrence, at least, has no drama left because you are there in Baku and it looks I've spectacular. It. I've made it. Um, this is live from my hotel room. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't even looked out the window. I was so keen for Medus not to be late that I've dropped all my stuff, plugged my laptop in and uh, started having a chat to you boys. But I'll tell you what, the journey here, guys, was extraordinary. Like We hit so many roadblocks and then we went down the wrong way, down a one-way street. And not only that, the car we were in had like, um, you know, like a, when a stone hits the windscreen, it had a massive splinter um, on it. And I was like, oh, this feels like I'm in a safe vehicle. But I've made it, guys. I've made it. I'd love, to, I'd love the idea that if you, you, you've got to the hotel so quick, you haven't opened your window, you're going to do this pod. You could go to the window and open it and you're in like Montreal or something. I <laughs> 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 really go the wrong way. <laughs> I'm just glad that his walls are painted rather than paper. That could have been confusing for him. But um, yeah, anyway, like neither of them have really understood that. Like, oh, I got it. Has. I got it. Yeah. I'm giggling away. Yeah. yeah. Call back to the joke, the 10 out of 10 joke. Uh, what a day yeah. this is, by the way. Just going <laughs> to, just going to reference that again. What a, what a day. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the Mickey Mouse shaped building in uh, North London. I'm loving it. <laughs> One thing I really <laughs> like about Nate, about your setup is you're so well lit. Like you've got this yeah, on your forehead and it's shining beautifully and I your think... smile, because obviously you're so bloody happy about your 10 that you just can't take yourself. Wait, Meadows needs to take a, someone needs to take a screen grab. I would, but I can't, I can't work out how to screen grab on my laptop. I'm... I know I'm ancient. I will get it. Hang on. Done. Yes. Uh, but also, I want to flag the fact that um, Barretto looks like he is basically being filmed undercover. It looks like yeah. someone has put one of those really like smart, small hidden cameras in a bag somewhere in the corner of his hotel room. Because I don't know why, yes. but his, his laptop's like webcam and the way it's just framed in. I think it might have moved inside the laptop or something, but there's like a dark side to it and... It's not the highest quality, and now he's looking closely. It has moved. I can't move. I don't know how I'm going to move it. The best bit now is... Now, oh, he's, you did it. Why have you just done it? Moved. Oh, I've done something. Yeah. Okay. I don't look like I'm underwater now. So, British listeners will know, but I feel like you're in the middle of a panorama sting operation, Lawrence, and they're trying, yeah. to, they're trying to absolutely do you down. Um, oh, can you imagine? I would have loved to have done that job. Like, in, on a stakeout undercover just spending hours listening until you get that quote that you need yeah so so mr man what are you hearing about formula (laughs) one these days (laughs) very weird question to ask me while we're eating lobster at this hotel (laughs) heard of any illegal activities going on recently (laughs) that's what i'd be like i would not be subtle about it what i love is that bretto doesn't understand that this whole podcast series has just been one long sting and uh (laughs) We've actually got lots of incriminating evidence against you now. So, we do. Uh, well, and each other, really, haven't we? We're all screwed if we want to play that That's game. Right. We can all go down together. Exactly. But uh, we have, to continue the theme of like high scoring going, three reviews this week. <gasps> right? Three whole ones. Of which, all three are five stars. Ah, oh, thank that, you. That, ladies and gentlemen, is 15 stars of review. <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot of stars. It's... It's also an internationally themed review because two are from America, but one's from Belgium. Um, and I'm going to start with the American ones. Uh, the first one's from Sama X Bytes. Um, and it says, in formula in best way. And it's like 
meant to be informal. It's like the the title's clever. It just I can't read it very well. Uh, it says love the pod. It's super fun to hear such professionals on the grid take a step back and have some fun in the off hours. Yes, I watch F1 on all of the sources because I'm that big a nerd. So seeing your professional side during interviews and hearing all of your hot takes and jokes on the pod is such a breath of fresh air from the usual bougie reporting of F1. Keep the fun coming. Love from Sam in the USA. Thank you, Sam in the USA. There's even a love heart in there. Wow, um, that's nice. To, yeah, I have to keep the fun coming. So uh, more emojis in reviews, please. I like those. Yeah, same. Uh, second one is from Andy Lindbergh in the USA. Uh, it titles it Brilliant Banter, Glorious Race Recaps, and Just the Right Amount of Tom Brady Content. Mm. Uh, side note, I'm a lifelong Buccaneers fan. Irrelevant yes. to that fact, Nate was robbed on his pirate joke. I need to no, thank no, no, no. Ashley for introducing me to this pod. It's a brilliant blend of great race breakdowns and deep insight into chefs and Ferrari's amazing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> By reading this review on the pod, you're required to provide two tickets for myself and Ashley at Cota, preferably for FP1 to the race, but I won't be picky. Thank you in advance, and I'll see you all in Austin. So, yep, Andy has um, worked out how to make reviews work for him. Uh, and I'm going to start having to say disclaimers that everything we say in someone's review doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but good try, Andy. Uh, and got, finally, just oh. quickly, I've got chef chat. So, um, cause you know, I like talking about chefs. So, uh, a chef that I like, not my favorite chef, a chef that I like in the packy <laughs> who cooked me a burger last year in the JW Marriott. I was excited because he'd been working on one. He said when I left last year for me this year, and he's only got to move to Poland and is working in the Sheraton in Krakow. So I can't get my burger here in Baku. Yeah. Oh no. If, That's uh, quite sad, actually. I can feel the pain in your in your uh, in your voice. No, yeah. If we could just all take a moment of silence for Barreto's <laughs> lack of a personalised burger. Right. Anyway, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm sure I'm sure they're going to do some sort of tribute on the on the grid pre race. We'll keep you posted on that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, the final one is from Kaskins. Uh, in Belgium, that just uh, is titled Great Pod. I like this as well. This is this is a really good short, snappy review. Uh, it says weekly. I wait for that jingle at the start to hit, and after the show for longer versions to happily clap and whistle along. Uh, the stuff in between is all right too. Nice. And that's it. I mean, like, yeah. five stars is five stars, guys. So yeah, we'll we'll take them. We'll take them any which way we can get them. I uh, have a question before we move on about ooh. Andy Lindbergh. Is okay. he a descendant of Charles Lindbergh, who? At the age of 25, achieved instantaneous world fame by making the first non-stop flight from New York to Paris. <laughs> For reference, on May 20th, 21st, I'm sure you knew that. Uh, he covered the 33 and a half hour, 3, the 3,600 mile flight alone in the spirit of St. Louis, which is a, uh, a little plane. Uh, wow. I knew who he was, but obviously I just, I just regurgitated all of that from memory. But if Andy <laughs> is a direct descendant, I will try and find him an FP1 ticket. I mean, I can't guarantee anything, but... Uh, well, he didn't ask for an FP1 ticket. He asked for FP1 to the race. He wanted the he whole week. He demanded. He yeah. demanded. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, if he answers that question, then we'll look into it. But um, that was the name that jumped out at me. So, aviation as, pod. As cans of worms go, Nate, by offering to look into that, you have just opened a pretty big one, I think, on this podcast. But never mind. So? No, um, I mean, look, if, if, if we get a direct descendant of any famous aviator, I think we'll try and get them FP1 tickets. That's just a general rule. So... If Neil Armstrong's kids are listening to this, <laughs> hit us up. If Buzz Aldrin, I don't know if Buzz Aldrin does have kids, or Grant, I assume he does. He went to the moon. He, he's got to have kids. Um, I would have kids if I went to the moon. I, I'd have, <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> 
I'm still high off that 10 out of 10. Let's do some it, F1 chat before before we completely lose the plot. Yeah, I've got a good question, actually, because it's completely missed out by Barreto talking about his journey to Baku and not referencing um, his now esteemed status that he's more important than Daniel Ricciardo. Um, no, hang on. For absolute clarity, Daniel, in case you're listening, I didn't say I was more important than you. I just oh, described. I, <laughs> I just described the process today. So I was I was very lucky. I was on a charter plane um, from London to Baku, which meant obviously we didn't have to stop over anywhere. There's not many commercial flights, and on that plane were many uh, F1 personnel, including many drivers. And I would say the majority, at least that I saw, turned left to business, but Daniel turned right. Um, and he was, I reckon he was like row 20, 25 on this plane in economy, fair play to him, in economy. Uh, and I was row eight in economy as well. So just in case, you know, I can see Nate was already to jump in and go, well, that was business, wasn't it? But no, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I fly in economy. Um, I love, I love that, that idea that you went down to the toilet at one point, walked past and he was just drinking his drink out of his shoe or something. He's like, <laughs> he's like, the service is dreadful. <laughs> it's like, no, they served it to me in my shoe. Like, Danny, you've only got yourself to blame for that, my friend. So, well, I have a lot of respect for him for flying economy. Yeah, same. Yeah. You would think, you'd I mean, think someone like Danny Rick, I wouldn't have accept, expected ever to fly now in, in the regular, regular economy. I imagine it was probably like, I'm not trying to make it not, I'm not trying to take away anything from him, but I imagine it was probably the offer was you can be on this flight. It's direct. So it's easy, but the only space left is economy or you're hopping through six different countries to get there across 12 hours or silly o'clock like I'm doing, which is I'm going via Istanbul uh, overnight. But of course, if you're going via somewhere overnight, that means you're stopping halfway for a three hour layover in the middle of the night. So, um, I, I chose like wisely. I leave at 10 p.m. just after 10 p.m. and land at 11 a.m. Um, with a layover in the middle, which is cool. So I'd take economy, even if I was like Barreto and used to much finer things in life, I would take economy over business, um, like if it was a direct flight, if that makes sense. Yeah, good. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you say you've got a lot of respect for him, Nate. It's not, it's not what the WhatsApp chat said. Well, well, I mean, I made, I made, I made a joke, you know, that I said, Lawrence said he's near the back. And I said, like he is in most races now, question mark. Then I put in brackets, I'm so sorry, Daniel, please forgive me, which I this would is, like to clarify. This um, is true. But like, you know, a meaner person could say that maybe Zach is already punishing him and saying, no, you sit, you sit in economy until we get more from you. I'm not saying that is what's happened. But that's what the conspiracy theorists would say, hearing Lawrence's uh, about, or that Lawrence is in line for the Ricardo seat. Is what I'm <laughs> going to say. And uh, yeah, so Zach was like, "I'm going to put you." I'm not, I don't know why Zach Brown's doing your tickets, Lawrence. But <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "I've got a spare ticket for a Lawrence Barreto," and you're like, "I'll take it." Well, I was, am very light, so I technically I should be a good go kart yeah. racing driver. I'm not, but I should. By any be. chance. When you walk through business, did you see Colton Herter or Pato Award? <laughs> Just ch- chilling out? No? Maybe in disguise? Maybe one had a big clown mask on or something? No, <laughs> no I can figures? neither confirm nor deny. Hmm. They're wearing a Queen's Jubilee mask. That's why. <laughs> I knew it. Mate, well, I'm sad that you're not coming to Baku. I know. I do like it in Baku. It's, um, 
My only memory of it, you guys will remember, I tore my ankle ligaments a week before going in 2019, and I was walking around in a big boot. And the one place in F1 that you probably don't want to be walking around the paddock in a big boot is sweaty Baku, sweaty, <laughs> long paddocked Baku, where you, you walk into the paddock and you're still about a mile and a half away from the media center, sort of limping around like an idiot. Um, but I did get, I did get f- seats at every media session I went to. Everyone was like, do you want to sit down? I was like, I'd love to. Oh, so, see, people yeah. are nice in Formula 1. That's a real insight, Nate. Into it is a tip. Fans right now are listening and they're like, wow, I feel like I'm there with Nate in 2019. <laughs> and his that, that Actually, there is a good Danny Rick story from that race. I remember hobbling into um, a uh, Renault session to chat to him at, uh, in one of his sessions. And he was like, mate, what did you do? And I said, I was stood on a football. And he like looked at me and he was like, huh. <laughs> and, then just, and I think he was looking and he was like, I don't know if he's being serious. I was like, I'm sadly, I'm being very serious. I stood on a football and it was very, and I was like, people laughed and he was like, ah, oh. and he was kind of like laughing about it. And he was like, I think he felt like, I don't know whether this is a laughing issue. So I was like, oh, everyone's been laughing at it. It's fine. And then, and then the laughter started from everyone around the table. I can see the pain in your eyes. Yeah, you telling that story. It was sad. I was like, I was like, et two, Daniel, et two. <laughs> Well, that was because, for context, you stood on the football while playing football, didn't you? You were, you trying were there, to do, right? I think. We not at that one. No, no, I wasn't, no. wasn't there. So I, I tried to do a Ronaldo-esque step over. And I kind of did step over half the ball. And I stood on it. And then the ball rolled under my leg. It was actually one of the most painful things I've ever seen. Uh, seen? Felt? Seen and felt. Um, but it was punctuated by, as I landed on the floor, everyone around me on the pitch laughing and then going, oh, might need to help them out. My first thought, though, was I, was like, I hope I don't have to miss races. I hadn't been to a race for a while, and I was like, I want to go back to one. So I basically just, like, I effectively lied to work and said, I'm fine. I'm not in excruciating pain every time I step on my on the boot. Um, and then it took ages to heal. So don't go to Baku if you've <laughs> injured yourself. That's the moral of that story. had nothing to do with me me walking it was to do with baku the baku energy well if you want some top trumps as nate waves as someone outside his pod that's amazing going down like the mall or something just waving regularly at people uh yeah to play top trumps i did very similar um before a flight to australia on the actual day of flying i was playing a football match like a proper 11 side game like for the club i used to play for in somerset and our kickoff was something like one o'clock. I was going to play this game, go home, shower, change, get the train up to Heathrow and fly overnight, like Saturday night. And just before half time, uh, I was in on goal and went to shoot and somebody tried to stop me last second and I shot, landed and their tackle went straight through my planted leg um, and tore my ankle ligaments. So I thought it broke my leg genuinely, like the pain and like the way it feels, um, which obviously was, you know, I dealt with it very well and, and screamed wildly. But um, <laughs> I then got home and my ankle had ballooned up massively and and did not look good but I had a choice to make which was go for an x-ray somewhere or catch the flight so I stupidly thought that Heathrow being a big airport and dealing with a lot of people and maybe injuries might have an x-ray machine so I went so I got the train to Heathrow uh and found it didn't but then I was like you know what I'm shuffling about on it okay I think I did a phone consultation as well 
on the way. <laughs> this is such and, a meta story, isn't it? Yeah. I went to the airport expecting there'd be a, an X-ray machine there. You should have you should have put yourself through the through security. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> leg yeah. first and be like, "Can you just print this off for me, mate? If you see anything that looks out of place, if just tell me, tell me, does the bone look like a knife? If the bone looks like a knife, then we're then we're in real trouble. If something's sticking out, <laughs> and he's like, "Sir, I can't let you through here. You're like, come on, just, just please, please let me." Great idea. Um, no, I, well, so this phone consultation, so if, if I'm shuffling around, then it probably isn't broken, um, because you can do any, you know, it can touch the floor or something. And I was like, well, yeah, it's very painful, but no, I don't think it maybe is broken. So, um, I flew because I'd managed to do that much. And I was like, well, once I'm starting the plane, I don't have to worry, take my shoe off and, um, just rest it, try and elevate it where I can. And that was fine for the first flight to Dubai. And then because it had swollen up even more, uh, and then I got up and like tried to get off the plane in Dubai and I couldn't walk. And I had to get one of those mobility buggy things that helped me and a very old man from India to like the next security thing. And the old man from India judged me. He was looking at me like, what's wrong with you? You do not need this help. Um, but I couldn't walk. So I eventually got my x-ray about three days later at the circuit in Melbourne. Uh, wow. And and that's when they said, no, you've just torn all your ligaments. And uh, they basically strapped me up and told me, like, just crack on. On your way. Yeah. Wow. That is that is nuts. I, I, you know, I remember that vaguely being... In WhatsApp, everyone was like, Meadows is an absolute nutter. He's trying to walk around. Um, yeah. Scraping around. But I, I got there. It was all right. It did mean it was three whole months so I could sort of exercise again. I think my next run actually was Baku. I think that was my first run after doing that was the first race in Baku. So that would have been 2016, mm. I guess. Um, so, yeah, that, that bore fest of a race when everyone thought it'd be crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, and what a race it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Baku 2016. I always love that story about Baku that year when the F2 race was insane, crashes everywhere. So we were like, well, this is going to be nuts. And everyone just was really, was just really polite and didn't do anything in the F1 race for the whole thing. And people think that's just maybe the way we recall it. So I've had Marcus Ericsson on our Sirius XM show that you two were beautifully on last week. Uh, I had Marcus on this week and we mentioned that. And he was like, yeah, I remember that. All of us were just like, it will be carnage. We were watching the support races and it was complete chaos. And you got into the car on the grid, like really nervous, thinking, just just take it easy and stay out of trouble and I'll score points. Um, it, the way he told the story, it was almost like they were scared <laughs> to go racing. And then uh, he said, and of course, so nothing happened because everybody did the same thing. So it's true. That was their approach. But, but it won't did be you, like that this year, will it? Did you Sorry. call that race? I did not call that race. You are the voice. you are the voice of Baku. For those who are lucky enough to be in the grandstands, aren't you? I am indeed. Uh, 2017, I think, was my first year as the voice of Baku. Um, and I don't know why I just called myself that. That's just for you guys. Um, but yeah, I think, I think <laughs> no, Meadows, Meadows, listeners, Meadows went through a good three years being like, hi, Chris Medlin, voice of, voice of Baku. <laughs> Before he even had the gig, he, he just was saying it. He was just like, no, I'm the voice of Baku. Speak it into, yeah, speak it into existence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, 17 was my first year doing that. It was good fun. That was a good, see, that was when I was the good omen because that was a crazy race, 17, mm-hmm. uh, which was Daniel's win, I think. And he went, they went like, he overtook three cars into turn one at one stage. So I had that one when it was Daniel and then Valtteri Pitt strolled to the line, which mm. was madness. And then 18, I'm trying to remember which, what happened in that, but I seem to remember that also being a bit crazy. Um, when, is that when Daniel and, and Max crashed? Yeah. Yeah. And Grosjean crashed by the safety car, blamed Ericsson. Again, brought up right. in this, in this uh, show. This well, week. I'm going to defend Grosjean here 
because he never blamed Ericsson. No. His engineer did, Gary Gannon, and everyone made the joke that... And I've spoken to Gary Gannon, he's a really nice guy, but, like, he... Grosjean never was like, I think Ericsson hit us, it was his, it was his engineer. And his engineer wouldn't have seen what happened, and he would have just seen that Ericsson was behind him and whatever. So I always feel like that. that's unfairly done on Grosjean. Although, it's funny to say, so I can't believe Grosjean blamed the <laughs> 500 winner, Marcus Ericsson, for, uh, for hitting him. Well, this is what Marcus said, that uh, he really hopes that by winning the Indy 500, now the first thing people won't remember him for is Grosjean, <laughs> uh, Grosjean's team blaming him in Baku. Because he's like, obviously it became a running joke and people always bring it up. And he's like, oh, hopefully I've done something that kind of overshadows it now. I was like, yeah, don't bet on it. But um, Yeah, 18 was good. Then 19 was boring again because I think everyone went back to the 16 approach. So trying to work out the way it's gone. We, does that mean we're meant to have a boring one this year? Yeah, it's like Henry VIII's wives, isn't it? It's like divorced, beheaded, survived. Like good, bad, bad, good. Is this divorced <laughs> or beheaded or survived? Which one's it going to be? Uh, this might be survived because I'm going with beheaded being like the the, the killer tires last year, just taking yeah. people out of the race. Um, and then the year before that was 2019, which is pretty boring. So yeah, okay, it's going to be now it's going to be good. It's going to be a race of survival. Yes. Yeah, the divorce was F1 fans divorcing from the entertainment I've, I, it's probably not a good uh, good analogy I tried yeah. I that 10 joke seems a long way long time ago doesn't it <laughs> it does <laughs> however it's still there for record so it never go away no matter how hard I try <laughs> hmm. well if we think it's going to be a crazy race who needs a good one the guy you've been panning yeah, I think Daniel. Me. I think Daniel needs a really good race, doesn't he? Or he just needs a good race, frankly. I think if he could get him to the points and just give himself some stability, um, I feel a bit bad for him because there's obviously been a lot of chatter about his future. As far as I know, he's got a three-year contract. He can choose if he wants to to leave at the end of yep. the year. Um, I kind of well, what seven races into this season? There's plenty of time for him to pull it back. He tends well, to look start even slower. Yeah, exactly. He won. He won a race. Like Norris didn't do that. Everyone close to Daniel says like like he's got a three year deal. We're seeing it out. Yeah. So from their side, I think that they're not really that worried. But it sounds like McLaren. He's also not a quitter, is he? I think no. It's just, exactly. That's just not him. Yeah. I, I I think that I can I can see why Zach's making you know references to contracts and stuff. Maybe you think maybe it'll get something out of him. You know, it'll, it'll fire him up a bit. But I don't know if that's the way you fire up someone like Danny Rick. I don't know. It just seems like it seems like he fires himself up. Doesn't need all that chatter around, but I don't know. That's just my take on it. But I agree with you. Baku's a good place for him to maybe have this race. He's always been really quick here, so hopefully he can refine some of that magic. Medis. Yeah, yeah, I sort of agree. I mean, I think the pressure is there is is warranted because the whole reason McLaren signed him was that he was the experienced race winner. That mm. you, you you're not waiting for him to develop or something. You expect results almost straight away from him, and to have not done it for a season and a bit now, really, um, will be frustrating them and frustrating him. But I think also it's it's more, if there's going to be movement in the driver market and if Daniel is even considering something else or if he's maybe just looking at what might open up as a fresh start if he, for some reason, feels that that would be better for him, it's all going to have to happen pretty quickly because there's not going to be that many seats. There's not going to be any more competitive ones, really, for him. Um, so... I, I think it's probably that about now is when you would just kind of suss that out and maybe feel out any options if you've got them. Because he's not, he wouldn't wait until the season's over or nearly the end of the year and then go, 
uh, you know what, like this isn't working, let's go our separate ways. It would have to be mutual if that happened. But I think there's probably been, it, it might well have crossed his mind, but mm. I, I, I expect him to fully stay and to sort it out, actually. Um, I just think it's going to, th- I think the problems he had last year, you, everyone hoped, and I thought maybe this year would be better. And it looked at times like it was going to be during preseason until he got COVID. Um, and even the first race in Bahrain, he looked okay compared to Lando. But then, yeah, the, the way it's then clearly been a struggle still, at least now the work he's doing to try and work it out will benefit him for the rest of his F1 career, really, with this type sure. of car. Whereas the work he did last year, trying to get used to last year's McLaren, was then scrapped over the winter. So, um, yeah, I, I think at least these kind of, even just small bits of progress now will have a longer-term benefit. So uh, it's maybe a slightly better situation than it was 12 months ago. But I think he'll get it. He'll get it sorted. He's got the right attitude for it. Um, and, yeah, I just don't also see where would really tempt him to go elsewhere. Uh, if if he's actually thought clean break, there's no better options for him really, are there now? So you you might as well try and fight yeah. out. I agree. Well, I, don't think he, I don't think he can go anywhere else. I also feel like he's probably learned the lesson of jumping always isn't the best thing to do. Like he's moved from Red Bull to Renault to, to McLaren. Mm. Each time he's had to take time to learn what he's doing. Um, and so I don't see why moving to another team, it's going to be any different. And so then it's another year or however long it's going to take him to get settled. McLaren love him. Like the people who he works with really like him. So there's no real reason to leave other than he feels like he can't succeed there. And I don't think he's there yet. I think what obviously makes it much worse for him at the moment is Lando. <laughs> it's delivered at such a high level, but he's also doing it when he's sick. And yeah, Lando's a beast, isn't he? Incredible. I think that. He's just I don't, think, I don't think any of us really anticipated this. Like, do you remember... Lando last year was clearly a bit pissed off when we, when, at the start of the season, we were like, how are you going to, how are you going to raise your game to beat Daniel? How are you going to, and he was like, why do I need to raise my game? He was like, maybe Daniel has to raise his game. And it was at the time, it was, it was seen, like Meta said, like he was being brought in as an experienced race winner. But I remember Lando every time he was asked, was like, well, I think I'm going to beat him. And I feel like, yeah, well, I think everyone coming into it didn't quite expect we'd see this Lando. Um, I mean, he's, he's obviously established himself as one of the best drivers in F1. But I think that that's probably surprised a lot of people. Maybe Daniel himself, just how good Lando is. Um, it's only surprised me. Like, I thought maybe we'd get there eventually, but Lando's been like, aside from Monza last year, it was probably the only time when he didn't, like, when, when you looked at it, well, and, and Russia as well. Two, two maybe opportunities where you're like, man, Lando, Lando dropped the ball there. Maybe McLaren dropped the ball as well in, in Sochi. Um, but yeah, otherwise he's been, he's been really good. So, um, I don't know. It's it's not quite Hamilton Alonso, but it's it's in that kind of ballpark, I think, for like young guy comes in or young guy is there and makes a much more experienced guy look a bit look a bit bad. I think Lando is next level good. I think he's yeah. up there with you know Charles Max. I think we're going to be talking about him for years and years and years and years. To come. And, and he... I think he was underestimated when he came in. I think people are talking about George maybe more so than Lando. I think Lando is the next big thing. And if he is, let's say Lando goes on and dominates for a few years when McLaren get their car in the right place, it kind of puts this Ricardo phase into a bit of context because it might Ricardo might be really driving really well for all we know. Like he Lando might just be like, oh wow, he's actually just delivering absolutely superhuman results. Like Bottas at, at Mercedes, I think if Lewis hadn't been there, Bottas probably you know in that last year he looked pretty bad, but he was always pretty good. It was just his benchmark was always Lewis is just absolutely destroying him in the same car and it you know your main comparison is that so 
that'll be interesting in a few years to see where the where the comparison lies. I think. On that, on Bottas, actually, gives me a segue to say I went to see him yesterday. I went to Switzerland. That was unintentional, but I'll take it. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do um, it. I flew to Switzerland for a day to do a podcast with him for Motorsport Magazine, and it was really cool. Um, he was really open and honest. He did talk about that, actually, about how tough it was and how hard he was on himself, because he was like, this is a great opportunity for me to try and win a championship and really take the fight to Lewis, and he's like, he had that belief he could. And then each year that it didn't happen, he would like be like, I've got to come back harder, got to come back stronger, got to do better. And each year that didn't happen, he was like getting him down. So uh, he talked about some of the mental struggles, and like there was some... I'm not going to do the spoilers because it's not live yet, but there was some pretty um, strong stuff he said and admitted to um, from his personal life that I was like, wow, I never knew that. Um, that was really, really cool to kind of hear from him. So, yeah, you can then see as well the impact that sort of thing can have. And he mentioned what it was like with media getting to him when he's, people are like panning you and he's like, I'm actually, like, I'm not doing a bad job. I'm not doing as well as the other guy, but the other guy's damn good. Um, and like I could, you, you'd be seeing me in a totally different light in a, in a different car and a different team or, you know, maybe against a different driver in this team, because if I'm beating someone who's not quite as good, I'd be winning the championship and you'd think I was amazing. So, um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good point that, but I just want to tell you guys, I went to, went to Switzerland. I had a, this is my brilliant travel planning, um, is that I went, so I've got an overnight flight tonight, which I'm going to have to run for fairly soon. Um, and that's got an overnight, uh, you know, a stop. So I can't, won't be sleeping on that. And yesterday, I got up at 3.45 a.m. to fly to Switzerland to do that podcast uh, and was back in a day. But it was really cool. I got a very cool tour from a guy called Gary, who's worked at Salba for about 20 years. Gave me a big factory tour, showed us behind the scenes and stuff. It was uh, it was excellent. It was really cool. So it was really nice. I've never been to uh, the Alfa Romeo factory. I'm not as big time as Barretto. who gets to host Kimmy's goodbye <laughs> parties and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really fun to do, actually, and, and see just kind of what they've been developing a bit but what they've got there and um the whole setup in hinville so ticked that one off the list and um and just thought i'd add to the lack of sleep really why not <laughs> that's like a classic medlin trip that is like i can do switzerland in a day so it wasn't planned initially so this the whole point is i've just been nice about bottas but it's because he screwed me over in miami and the night before the podcast was meant to be recorded in his hotel there uh said that he was too jet lagged and wanted to give it his time properly and i think it was all a lie i think it was basically just didn't want to get up that early to do it um but said can we do later in the weekend which but then didn't offer a, another time or a better time so they said i oh, will get you to come to the factory and sort of give you a tour on things and i think originally the pitch was like oh, and you maybe get to interview fred and do this do that but in the end they picked a day when everyone was going to the race um or wasn't in so uh Valtteri was in doing a bit of promo stuff and had been in the sim the day before but it'd been a swiss holiday the day before so we couldn't do that and then uh and then everyone was leaving Tuesday afternoon or had already gone to Baku. So it was his fault, but I just had to get it done because we had deadlines for the podcast. So committed to the cause. Fair play, Medis. Uh, I look forward to listening to that. And I'm going to let you go to the airport now because I don't want you to get told off or miss your flight. Uh, and I don't want you to rush Monty as well, uh, as in Monty, your dog. In case yeah. I haven't referred to his Monty. Uh, thanks very much, Saps. It's been a pleasure. Medis, I'll see you very soon. Nate, I'll see you in Canada. Um, of course, we'll talk before then. And thanks to everyone who's been listening and for anyone who submitted reviews as well. Please remember to follow us across our social channels at Padhock. And we'll do this again very soon. You can read Medis' work on racer.com, Nate's work on ESPN.com and my work on F1.com. See ya. Bye. Bye.
Social Podcast Network.